Good morning, All Seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, we're on our third part of this uh, message. The first two I told you I had to use as a more of a foundation before I jumped into the main thought about being authentic. We first have to go back and look at the rich young ruler as we did for the last two weeks and walk through his story, which is all of our stories. Every one of us has to choose whether or not we will follow Christ. And we made a choice, whether you're sitting here this morning, yes, I chose to follow Jesus. I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. Well, then what does that mean? What is being an authentic Christian, what does it mean? And the rich young ruler, of course, made the wrong choice. We talked about him as the man who had everything and had nothing at all. He had all the money that he had ever want, but he walked away sorrowful because he was missing the thing that his heart longed for the most. And so this morning, we're going to start the first part of what it is to be authentic, what it is to be uh, a real Christian, a, a bona fide, I love that word, I just got to keep throwing it out, bona fide Christian. The real deal, what does that mean? Well, let me put it to you this way. If you aren't fishing, then you aren't following Remember the, what Jesus told him? It wasn't so much that he told the rich young ruler, hey, give all your stuff to the poor. That's the part we get. We get the mindset of, hey, take your stuff, sell it, give it to the poor. But then he said something very powerfully. He said, and follow me. And follow me. Being authentic, really, when it boils down to, is just following Jesus. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Mark 1, verses 14 through 20, I'll show you the main scriptures we're going to use this morning. In fact, these scriptures are powerful in the fact that they're also used in the book of Matthew and the book of John. Three out of the four books, this story, this little story is related because there's an importance to it that we need to get. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, what? What? follow me. That was his words. As simple as they could be, the same thing he says to the rich young ruler, follow me. Get rid of everything that's holding you back and follow me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who was also in the boat mending their nets, and immediately he called to them, what do you think he said? Follow me. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. If you're not fishing, then you're not following. One writer put it this way, and I love the way it's said. Jesus didn't say, follow rules. He said, follow me. The Christian life isn't a bunch of rules or regulations or rituals. It is simply following Jesus. Salvation isn't a creed embracing beliefs. 
Salvation isn't a creek getting baptized. Salvation is in following Jesus. What the follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, what we want to do is what he does. Jesus didn't come primarily to heal. If that had been his focus, he would have established uh, Jesus' hospital. He didn't come primarily to teach or else he would have started Christ University. He didn't come to seek. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. When we follow him, that will be our passion as well. And all the stuff that we do, all the things that have to get done, ultimately our lives boil down to one simple statement. Am I following Jesus? Is my life in a pattern where it's following the Lord, authentic, being real. Now this morning I want to share a few points with you, three points. And these three points are just real simple points, but they relate what we're talking about. Now before I do, I want you to understand how important we talk about fishing. Now up here is, is some of my gear. Now I'm going to go ahead and be very honest with you. I'm not a good fisherman. I'm not. I love to fish. I wish I had time to fish. I have books that I've torn pages out of magazines and would love to have the time to, to learn how to throw this bait or this bait and how to work this. And how, I, I love fishing. I love the art of it because there's so much involved, and I'll share some of that today. There's so much involved in it. It's ironic, or maybe it's just the fact that when God and Jesus were on the throne and they were there planning coming to earth and planning everything out and planning where everything would be, isn't it amazing that he's going to spend most of his time on the Sea of Galilee? Isn't it amazing that out of the 12 disciples that he will pick, seven of them will be fishermen? Seven of them will be fishermen. Let, let, me, let me show it to you in this way. Go with me to John 21. John 21, verses beginning at verse 1. I want to show you something. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of where? Tiberias. And in the way he showed himself. Count it with me. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and were together. Jesus had, had gone. Their master was gone. They, they were stuck between what we used to do versus what we, what, what, what we did for the last three years. And we make it sound like that they are just bad people, like they should have been doing something. But understand, they're in between. Their master, the one they've been following, is gone. They, they don't know what to do. And they're all standing there like most fishermen would, checking the weather, talking about what's been going on in a coffee shop, Waffle House. And we're like, what do you want to do today? Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Tell you what I'm doing, I'm going back to fishing. These were, these were commercial fishermen. These were not just fishermen that did it for fun or people like me that just, just tried to learn how. These were professed. That's why when Jesus does the two miracles he does with the fishing, it is so emphatic to them. 
He could have have done it a million different ways, but it's ironic that he uses Peter's boat early in the ministry and tells Peter to do what? Thrust out into the deep. And Peter's like, we're not going to catch anything. I am a professional fisherman. I know all about fishing. I mean, you don't know anything. I get that all the time. Pastor Lot, you know a lot about the Bible. You know a lot about, you don't know anything about fishing. And someday, I just wish I could do what Jesus did just to show him like, nah, don't ever test me. So Jesus tells them to launch out into the deep and they lower their nets and they catch up. What does Peter do? Peter falls on his face and he says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. What's he saying? The thing that I thought I was the best at, the thing that nobody could teach me anything about, you just messed up my world. And in John 21, we find that a short time, a few scriptures later, guess what happens? Jesus appears on the bank. They have fished all night, all seven of them. And how much have they caught? Nothing. And Jesus is standing on the bank. You know, fishermen do not like to be told. Don't, they just don't like that. And here's this guy yelling from the bank, hey, you caught anything? And this is where lying fishermen comes into play. Because usually we're like, well, we caught a few little, we threw them all back. We ain't got anything with keepers. Really, the only thing we caught was the bait when we stuck our hand down in the catching the minnows. I caught a few. I didn't lie. And they said, no, we hadn't caught anything. He said, oh, well, throw your nets to the right side. You've been throwing it on the wrong side of the boat. Really? Four feet over here, four feet over here. You're telling me that's going to make a difference. And they throw it on the other side. Their nets get so full, they can't hardly bring it in. And what makes it so more incredible is this is shallow water. They're fishing out of shallow water. They're not even supposed to be catching fish like this. Big ones, as it will say later. And so many big ones, they're not even supposed to be there. It shocks them so much that the one who loves him, John, says, it's the Lord. And Peter grabs his coat, jumps out of the boat, and wants to be the first one to get to Jesus. And it's incredible that he chose fishermen, these kind of normal people, to be the people that will represent him when he's gone. But there's qualities that fishermen have. Now, I'm not a great fisherman, but I have qualities that makes me a fisherman, that makes me adequate. I can get the job done. I may not be the best. I may not be great at it. But I can accomplish it. And what God wants you to do when Jesus says, follow me, the first thing he looks at us and he says, I want to teach you how to fish for people. If you're going to follow me, if you're you're not going to choose the rich young ruler's route, if you're not going to walk away sorrowful, if you're going to say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to follow you. Then understand, the first thing he wants to do is teach you how to fish for people. That's your call. You're saved. The person next to you isn't. Your job is to get them saved. Your job is to lead them. And it's an incredible journey to do that, just like fishing. It's an incredible journey to go from where you begin to where it ends. From not sure, not able, not, 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 not sure we're going to catch anything. You invest, you do everything, and then hoping that something good happens. Let me share it with you this morning. Number one, 
If you're going to be a good fisherman, you're going to have to understand. Write that and underline it. You're going to have to, number one, understand. You're going to have to have the ability to understand. Understand what, Brother Lot? Well, the first thing you have to understand is, is how fish behave. That's why I'm not a great fisherman. Because when I go fishing, I'm just like, you want to go fishing? Yeah, let's go fish. I don't check water temperature. I don't worry too much about seasons. I don't worry about, I, I'm just like, is there water? Is there, I have a pole? Let's go. And, and if we caught something, then we must know what we're doing. If we didn't catch anything, then we don't know what we're doing. So to me, when, when, when I start fishing, I'm thinking, I, I, don't, I don't understand, but Jesus, what he wanted them to do more than anything else is understand how fish behave. Now, these guys were, were professional fishermen, so in their world, they understood it. In fact, there are two different kind of nets that were even described when, when we're talking about these groups. Remember when it says that Jesus walked by the shore and he saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were doing what? They were using a cast net. They had a cast net. And I've tried to throw them a few times, had to throw them a few times to catch bait and do different things when I've gone different fishermen and, and, and stuff. It, it's not easy. You've got to learn how to hold it. You've got to learn how to keep it. One thing, you never tie the string around your wrist. Uh, it's what you want to do. You want to tie it there, and you think, oh, that way it won't go away when I... No, no, don't do that. No. If something under there is going the other direction or you, you're going with it. Don't do that. But they were casting their net into the ocean. Casting their net into the sea. Or the Sea of Galilee, really a giant lake. And I've been there. And it's beautiful. It's the, it's the only thing I cared about doing when I went to Israel. I know different people love different things. It's the only thing I cared about. I would get up before the sunrise. We stayed there for two, three days before we went to Jerusalem, and that's where everybody wants to go and see all of the different rocks, and it's a lot of rocks. A lot of buildings are made of rock. But the Sea of Galilee is still there. It is unchanged. If, it, if you'd have went back 2,000 years, it looks the same way. The water is still the same. And when I got up that morning, I got to see the two different kinds of fishermen. There were some young people standing near different parts along that rocky bed. Because when we talk about this, we're not talking about Orange Beach. This is not white, sandy shores. These are rocks, different areas. And they would get off into certain areas, and they would throw a net. And then out in the distance that morning, I could see the boats. By now, they're motorized. They're not, nobody's paddling anymore. They're, they're motored boats, but they're doing the same thing. They drop a net. And the other kind of net is not a cast net. But it's a net that where it's a little finer and, and it's 300 feet long. And they let it down and they make a whole circle. And then they draw it in smaller and smaller and that's how they catch. So it says about Simon and Andrew, they were. And when he got to the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and, and one, one preacher, I'll go ahead and let you know this, that really his name was not James. If anybody's ever 
thought about that. His name was Jacob. But King James, when he wanted his Bible written, he wanted his name in the Bible, so he changed it from Jacob to James. So if your mom ever named you James because he was in the Bible, just hold on to that. But they were doing what? Mending the nets. They weren't, they weren't casting, they were mending their nets. They were going down this long net and they were mending all the different broken spots and all the different things. Number one, understand how fish behave. Jesus, the Bible said, was a friend to sinners. Was a friend to sinners. Now in our, our lives, we, we many times, we want to get saved. And what happens over a course of time is our friends stop being people that we once hung out with or we once knew. We kind of push all of them. And don't get me wrong, we don't want to be hanging out at their house on, on Super Bowl Sundays and all that. We're not talking about that. But what I'm saying is, is Jesus had the ability, even though he would pray in the morning, even though he was preaching and doing the gospel, the atmosphere that he created was that he was a friend to those who were hurting. He was a friend to those who were lost. That people whose lives were not totally together, they felt comfortable being around him. One of the hardest qualities you'll ever have is to learn how to be living in both worlds at the same time. How to be able to be a friend to sinners, to be a friend to people, and, and at the same time not get caught up in all the junk that they have. To be able to pick your moments and your spots and say, hey, let's go, let's go out and eat. To be there when they're down or be there at the right moment when they need a friend, but at the same time not be there all the time when they don't need anybody. And growing up, I had to learn this. Growing up, this was one of the hardest things to learn because, because there were nights and moments that as a teenager and I was learning all these qualities and learning how to fish is that, man, me and my buddies, we'd go to the movies. We'd all pile up in the car. We'd go watch Rocky, Rocky, whatever it was then, two, three, one, whatever it was. It was Rocky and we, man, we would have a great time. We'd go to Captain D's afterwards or, or we'd go to McDonald's or Pizza Hut or whatever. Man, we had just the greatest time. And then there would be weekends where... My friends didn't call me or during the week during school, they didn't act like they really wanted me around as much. And, and I knew what it meant. It wasn't that they were mad at me or upset. They had plans. They were probably headed to the county line that weekend. See, we were a dry county. When we used to talk about going to the county line, it meant that somebody had to make the run 37 miles and it was one store right across the county line. You could get your stuff and put it on ice. And by the time you got all the way back, it was Rocky Mountain cold. And then they all sit on the back of pickups or whatever they did and, you know, tell stories and hope you don't do something that everybody's going to talk about on Monday. But something always did happen. We always had something to talk about on Monday. So there was a learning there that these were my friends. One of my friends ended up as a junior, a dad. One of my friends had other issues that eventually was going to cost him a lot of pain. I had some friends whose family life was not. And a part of me, I remember my mom and dad and the others like, like, Tim, you don't need to be hanging around. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, it's, it's okay. They, they, 
they respect me. They treat me. When I'm with them, they don't do. And I look back now and I'm thankful for all of those moments because if I had not learned all of that, I would not have learned to be able to do what I do today. To walk into any house or any situation. Last night we're sitting at a at the ball game and and uh guy one guy comes stumbling by, he falls three times, you know, getting past us and and another guy, he was at another tent and his TV didn't work and he just comes walking in. I just had to come over and see blankety blank 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 what y'all had on here. I couldn't blank 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 my blank 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 this wasn't working. I was like it's like Notre Dame. <laughs> so that's all I got. I got Notre Dame. And 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 so me and Cam were sitting there and and, and we, we was all just sitting there and it's like, and we just nice, just be nice. It's like, I mean, it, it wasn't like, how dare you come up in my tent cussing? No. You learn to fish. In fact, when I left, I had to go get my truck and 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 I was nobody left in the tent. I walked over to them and they had like two or three of them, was a couple of ladies and him and and they were all just piled up. Their TV was on, you know, no signal. And I said, hey, guys, i got to walk and get in my truck. I'm going to be gone for, you know, five or ten minutes to go get all that. I said, you're welcome to come watch. I said, all i got is the Notre Dame game. You can come sit in my tent. You can come sit right here and watch this. And they were like, man, thank you. I was like, no problem. Learning to fish. you got to know how fish behave. I remember Kenneth, one of the greatest compliments Kenneth ever gave me. He probably don't realize it was the greatest compliment he ever gave me. He said, you know, he said, you know Pastor, you are the one person that you, you act like or you seem like you've done everything that we've done, but you haven't done any of it. I didn't do it personally, but I've seen it all my life. I know the effects of it. I know how they're thinking. And if you're going to be a good fisherman, you're going to have to learn first how. Because remember, later they're going to get in trouble like the, uh, the Samaritans tell them they can't come through the town. John and James, they're like, you want us to call down fire and just kill all of them? You don't know how to fish. You, you have no idea how to fish. You're not trying to kill fish. That reminds me of the Jerry Clower story. I don't know if that's one of my favorite story. When Claude, is a, he's a fisherman. And during the summertime when nobody else was catching fish, Claude was coming back to, back to town, back to Yazoo City, and he, he had a, he had a you know, cooler full every time. And they're like, Claude, how are you catching? I'm telling you what, I'm catching fish. And the game warden finally is like, nobody was catching fish but Claude. I'm going to go with Claude. Claude said, come on. They got out in the middle of the lake. Claude reaches under the seat, pulls out a stick of dynamite, lights it, sits there for a couple seconds, throws it over. Boom! Fish, dead fish start floating up. He just goes around with his dip net. And the game warden's sitting there like, Claude, you can't do this. I'm, man, I'm going to arrest you for doing this. Claude didn't say a word. He just slowly reached under, lit another one, held it for a second, threw it to the game warden. He said, you going to fish? Or not. He had to make a business decision. Either he was fixing to arrest him or he was going to get to fishing. 
And in life, learning to fit, learning how they think, learning how sometimes you just have to blow it up to get their attention. Jesus did at times. He just did crazy things. Turn over tables, take a whip, run over. You ain't going to do that. Why? Sometimes you just got to blow it up. But Jesus knew how to fish. He knew how to get the attention of those he was trying to reach. Let me tell you something else you need to understand. You've got to be able to understand that there's a variety of strategies to reach a person. See, the story begins with this statement. John was now in prison. It's not an accident that that was put there. John is now in prison. That strategy had gone as far as it could. That strategy of fishing had worked as long as it would. And now it was time for Jesus to come on the scene and to show a totally different strategy than there ever has been. I'll explain it this way. A while back, a friend of mine, we were going fishing. And when we went fishing, man, there's certain things that we just know work. I mean, if you can't catch them at any other time, you can catch fish worm fishing. Worm fishing is just, is just basically where you just got a weight, rubber worm, and you just kind of bump it along the bottom, throw it, bump it along the bottom, and something's, gonna, something's down there, it's going to hit. If they won't hit worms, we always have to say, if they won't hit worms, they ain't hitting nothing. Well, that day they weren't hitting worms. And we fished, and we fished, and we, right, that spot over there. We went over there, no fish. And finally, I, I got to looking, because you've got to you know the strategies. You've got to know strategies. And I, I finally, as I was pulling out my tackle box, and, and I said, all right, let's just, let's just see. Man, we're trying everything. We're trying anything and everything you can imagine. We pulled out these, and, and we pulled out this one, and we pulled out this one. I mean, all kind of strategies, summer baits, winter baits. We had, we had every kind of bait you can imagine. And in the box, I had one bait. It's called an H&H. It's just basically two little propellers on something that young gels, big old heavy weight on it, and it's got a little skirt, and you just reel it in. But it's heavy enough to get low. And the person I was fishing in said, hey, I'll try that. And I thought, man, we've been using beetle spins and everything. They ain't hit none of that. Shores the world. Uh, I got one. A few minutes later, I got another one. What do you think I did? I'm looking for a beetle spin. I'm, I'm looking for something that looks like an H&H. You know what? It was the only H&H I had in the whole boat. The person said, here, you use it. No, no. You can't take it back now. You picked it. You did right. I, I didn't get it. And that's the way the day went. Not only do you need to know how fish think, your, your, your fish, but also you're going to have to learn to use a variety of strategies. There's different strategies for different things. Up here, this is, this is like when I'm going to the beach. That's why you got these big rubber tires on there. 
you don't want to pull something across the beach that's not. So when I beach fish, that's what I use. It holds my rods, I can carry it, I can beach buggy. And there are certain times of year it works really good when the pompano run and different things. I love to go down there in March. If I can sneak off down there and they all the pompano run during that, it's just strategies. But here's the thing. If you use the wrong strategy, it won't work. But all of it involves one thing, is learning to understand the people that you're trying to win. When I was young, probably the greatest story ever told to me that helped me in ministry was a pastor that was talking about that. And he said, he said, there was a town that was built, and he said, had this beautiful lake on it, this beautiful town, beautiful lake. And he said, man, they stocked it. They had everything. They did seminars on fishing. They, they had bait stores. They had everything you would ever want. Only one problem. The town collapsed because nobody went fishing. He said, you can have all the stuff that you want, learn everything you want, but you're going to have to eventually, number two, beyond the strategies, you got to go. you got to go. You know what the Great Commission begins with? Go. The Great Commission begins with just one word, go. Yeah, but I'm not, no, no, just go. Go teach. Go preach. Go baptize. But I'm not good at it. The disciples even tried to use that. We're not good at it. You know what Jesus told them? He said, when you're standing before magistrates, when you're standing before people, and you don't really know what you're doing, like sometimes I'm fishing, I really don't know what I'm doing, and I'm like, I don't know which one to put on. I've learned strategies, but it don't seem like it's working. He said, at that moment when you open your mouth, I will give you the right words to say. When am I going to be a soul winner, Brother Lot? When am I going to do what Jesus says to the rich young widow? Follow me, or to the disciples, follow me, and I will teach you to be fishers of men. I'll tell you when it's going to happen. When you finally decide, I will go. I'm going to go across the street and talk to that guy. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. The only way I'm ever going to get good at fishing is to keep going. And that's a sad thing, but I'm just glad to keep doing it. I'm not going to get better unless I keep going. I'm not going to find out where all the best restaurants are unless I keep eating. I'm a Jesus follower now. He said, have a strategy. And then he said, go. Go, Tim. I said, I'm going, Lord. During Halloween, it's hard. There's a lot of varieties of candy that you got to try. You got to go you got to figure out what works and doesn't work. So go, number one, go to where the fish are located. Even his disciples, he told them, go city to city. Jesus would even go city to city. from place. He didn't stay in one location. He didn't. Why? Because what he was teaching them was to go. Learn to go. Let me tell you, the only time they got in trouble is in the early part of Acts. The early part of Acts. When they all wanted to stay in Jerusalem, 
Nobody wanted to go. Everybody wanted to stay in Jerusalem. They were staying in Jerusalem. We're going to stay. We're going to, the Lord's going to come back any minute. We're going to stay in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that when Stephen was killed and all of a sudden chaos began, you know what happened? It scattered them. You know what the Bible says after that? The church grew. Let me tell you when, when the church is going to grow at all seasons. When you come up with some strategy, when you do your best to learn how to, to, to share the gospel, to tell the gospel, learn your best. If you say, I don't know how, we do classes. We'll teach you how to share your testimony. We'll show, show you how to come up with a strategy. And you may have to change the strategy sometimes. You may have to talk this way to this person this way. But that's all right. It, it can be taught. But here's what we can't teach you to do is to go. Somebody say, man, I wish all seasons would, would grow. Well, it's simple. In all seasons, we have, over the course of a month, we have probably a little over 500 people that come to all seasons. On any given week, we have three to 400, but they don't all come at the same week. My ministry guys will confess to that. They're like, we ain't the same people ever. Sometimes these kids come. Some of them don't come but once a month. But if you counted everybody that comes at least once a month, it's over 500 people. What if all 500 people decided next year I'm going to follow Jesus? What if all 500 people decided I'm going to go and I'm going to try to win one person? Our church would run nearly 1,000. Not because we're trying to get it to 1,000. It's just because we're doing what we're supposed to do. And the book of Acts is that story. It's the story of where as long as they're going and as long as they're doing, guess what? The church is added the church multiplied. The church, it's not complicated, guys. If you're following Jesus, you're fishing. If you're following Jesus, you're coming up with a strategy. Sometimes that strategy is what we do at Halloween, giving away candy. Sometimes that strategy is, is going to a ball game like yesterday. and Man, sitting there with all of our college and career and our, our, our older teenagers and, and just being able to sit there with them and play cornhole and just eat hamburgers and have fun and watch Mississippi State and, and then play. It, it, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be, hey, you need to sit down and let me tell you about the gospel. No, you got to go to where they are. I met a bunch of sinners yesterday. And I bet a bunch of them are sleeping in this morning because they have no desire to go to church. But I've got to go. If I don't share it, if I don't tell it, then it's not going to work. Now, going is hard because going means that you have to be inoculated against what you're going to have to face. This morning, we read a scripture, and Kenneth read a scripture from John. I told him, I said, I can use that scripture if you want me to. He was using the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. He was using the prayer that Jesus prayed over his disciples right before his death. And it's the same prayer that I'm talking about right now. It's, Lord, don't take them out of the world, but keep them while they're in the world. Because here's their job. they got to go. But let them always know that I'm in them, they're in me, we're in them, we're together. Let them be one as we're one. It, it's a consistent thing. they got to go. They cannot sit here. If they sit here, they'll die. They've got to go fish. They, if they don't fish, they're going to die. That town that died, died not because they didn't have a lake. 
Not because they didn't have fish. Not because they didn't have a bait shop. That town died because no one would ever load up the boat and go fishing. To be inoculated is strange within itself too. I remember the first time we went down to the coast. First thing you have to have is good sunscreen. Good sunscreen. But then when you go down to the coast, it's different than fishing around here. I can fish around here and I can use this deep woods off. I can spray that on me. No mosquitoes going to bother me, nothing. I'm going to tell you something. I can go to the coast and I can spray this stuff on me and it don't do no good at all. There's things down there that bite and ain't nothing but blood coming out. I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff down there. No seams. Little gnats. I didn't know what they were first time. I went down there with Mark. Mark started getting close to a bank. And man, all of a sudden, I couldn't even see. I thought my skin was on fire. I couldn't even see what it was biting me. And finally, they got so thick, I could see them. I could almost choke on them. And I said, you, you need to get away from the bank. Do you know down there, the number one thing, there's a perfume that they make. And it stinks so bad, it keeps them off. And then skin's so soft, yep, yeah, that works too. So you learn. You're going to be a, if you're going to fish here, now, don't get me wrong. Man, you can catch some of the biggest redfish. You can have some of the greatest time. But listen to me, if you're not inoculated, I don't care how much you like. Me and, me and Mark have gone to different places like that, and we'll be fishing, and it hurts so bad. We're like, look, I just can't, I, I want to fish. I can't take no more. I got five horse flies on me. I got one chewing on my head. I can't, I, it's like the monkey that kissed the skunk. It may not be all I want, but it's all I can take right now. I just can't stand no more. And so you learn that even now they started selling it in, in Walmart. It's called Swamp Gator. That's what they named it. But what it is, it's the same stuff we use down on the coast. And, and it ain't off. It's Swamp Gator. And we go through at least a bottle or two of it when we go. In fact, I'll be carrying it next time I go. I don't know if I'll share it. Because that'd be, you know, I can fish, they can watch. But you got to be inoculated. When you go, when you strategize, you got to know, am I, am I secure enough in Christ? That's why Jesus told the rich young ruler, sell everything you got, give it to the poor. Why? Why do you think he told him that? He knew that I'm going to put you in places. And if you've got an option to be able to go back, you will. You say, oh, no, no, if you really love the Lord. Remember Peter and those other six? When Jesus disappeared, what did they say? We'll go fishing. You know what Peter didn't do? He never got rid of them boats. He always had the ability to go back to his old career. That's why Jesus told him, Listen, make sure you're inoculated. Make sure you're prepared to go through. That's why we pray every day. That's why we read our Bibles every day. That's why we do that. Why? So that we're prepared to face whatever the enemy would throw at us. Number three. So we got to understand and we got to go. Number three, you got to expect. You got to expect to catch fish. You know what Jesus told those disciples? You know, I'm going to try to teach you how to fish. No. 
follow me and I will make you. I will teach you how to be fishers of men. I will train you and show you. Of all the things Jesus did, it wasn't to heal, it wasn't to, to create some school of theology. The greatest thing Jesus ever did was to teach how to win souls. In fact, the wise man in the Old Testament says it this way, a man who wins souls is wise. The wisest person you'll ever meet on the earth, the smartest person you'll ever meet, is someone who has the ability to adjust, to adapt in whatever they need to do to win a soul. When I was growing up, I only knew one kind of fishing, cat fishing. It was pretty simple. Pretty simple. You just either do catfish Charlie or liver. You had a weight, big old, you didn't play around with no single hook. You used three. We ain't missing it. Big cork, throw it out, it sinks. You just sit there. Talk, hang out. If that cork goes under, starts taking off, you yank. Fish is going to do all the work. You just wind him in. Anybody like to fish like that? Yep, there's some of y'all, my mom. My mom won't use nothing but a cane pole. It's simple. She can raise it up, bait it, throw it out. It's just as simple a fishing as there is. And for some people, that's, it's like, well, that, that's fishing. Maybe. But when you start to follow Jesus, what he's going to teach you is, is to use different parts of your life. And I'm going to tell you the part he's going to teach you the most. It's your story. He's going to teach you how to take your story and share it to the world. That is, in our vernacular, bait, or whatever you want to call it. It's what we use. It's your story that causes people to, to get excited about God. One, one preacher preached it this way, and I'll share it. He said, think of it this way. The Bible says that Taste of the Lord and see that He is good. Taste the Lord and see that He's good. Well, how does someone taste Him? How does someone taste the Lord? Well, it's simple. If, if I have a picture of lasagna, and I love lasagna. I have a picture of lasagna up here, and I said, guys, I want you all to experience lasagna. I want you to experience lasagna. Here, look, pass this around and experience lasagna. Taste and see it's good. You're like, is it like a scratch and sniff or? Taste and see the Lord's good. You can't do it. But if I brought some lasagna in here and I took a spoon for everybody and I said, here, I want everybody to take a taste, then that's authentic. You understand? That's authentic. That's, that's the real stuff. What Jesus does is He says, what I do in your lives 
is the real thing, the authentic thing that I want you to share with others so they can taste and see that I'm good. See, we get into all the, hey, do you go to church? Hey, are you saved? Hey, are you? And we wonder why we don't grow, why we don't get, people get excited about If we just share what God has done, if we just share what God has done, that's all we got to do. It's the bait. So if I'm witnessing to somebody, I don't walk up to them, do you know the Lord? You need to, you're going to go to hell if you don't know the Lord. No. That opportunity comes around. Something happens. Something, man, you seem like you're in a good mood. Boy, I used to not be. I used to be, man, I used to have rough, I used to have anxiety, I used to have depression problems. Man, what are you, are you doing some kind of medicine or something? I'm on a medicine, but it, it's, it's not normal. And that throws me into it. Let me tell you my story. And I'm like, man, you're looking at a miracle. And I walk away. I walk away. But it ain't very long before somebody come up to me and, and they, man, I was telling so-and-so about, about you. Tell, tell them what God, these people aren't even saved. But see, our world is so jaded because all we come at them with is you need to get saved. You need to get in church. No, what you really need is you need to share your story. If you share your story, what God has done in your life, it is enough. It is enough to attract those around you. You say, Brother Lot, I don't have a good story. Look, I share all from anxiety to some, some of the addictions I had, some of the stuff I grew up with and all this. At least on the other hand, nothing. I'm like, well, what did you ever do? What did you do this? Did? No. You know, I don't, I don't think she even ever thought about doing You know what I'm saying? She got saved young like I did, but I, I wasn't quite all there. I'm still working it out. But when she got saved, she got saved. So she, she, she grew up, you know, just knowing the Lord and loving the Lord, and you just don't do those things. And I'm like, what do you mean you just don't do those things? I, I wanted to do those things. But her testimony is just as powerful as mine. She may stand up and say, well, I don't really have. But to, to know that I can give my life to the Lord and that God changes me at 8, 9, 10, just like He changes me at 19 and 18 and 17, that He can change me at 40, that God can do a miracle in my life. As we go into this a little bit further, I wanted to start off this morning with practical. This week, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you're going to have to fish. You will not, you will not keep a good relationship. You will not keep a healthy relationship with the Lord if you don't fish. If your whole goal is to just try to fit in and not be noticed, or your whole goal is to fit in and nobody ever figure out that I'm a Christian, you're missing the point. Your whole goal from the moment God called you and saved you is to train you to fish for people. To use your stories, your miracles, what God's brought you through, the journey that you've had. 
You may have to use a different strategy. You may have to go to lunch with some of them. You may have to listen to some language that you don't want to sometimes. You may have to go through, wade through some stuff. But you'll catch fish. In fact, I found in my life, if you want to be a good fisherman, it's probably in the worst places that you think you'll never catch fish is where you'll catch them. I'm not a hunter, but they always talk about if you want to kill big bucks, you've got to go not in the open fields. You've got to go into those trails and those cuts. they've Because they don't go out in the wide open just to get shot. They didn't get old by accident. You've got to hunt them. Well, I'm a fisherman, so I know that if I pull up to a lake, well, man, let's fish over here. Our stuff won't even get tangled up. Let's throw it way out here. I mean, we can fish right here all day and won't have any snags and won't have any problems. You want to catch fish? You see that old tree that fell down in the water over there, all them limbs? To... We got a fish in that? Yeah. You're going to get hung up sometimes. You're going to do it wrong sometimes. You're going to break off sometimes. But I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're fishing. And sooner or later, that tug's going to happen. And sooner or later, the pull on that line. And sooner or later, you're going to bring somebody in that you never thought possible. To follow Jesus, you've got to decide. And I'm not just following to be doing it. I've, I've got to become a fisherman. Will you stand? Over the next couple of weeks, I'll share it from different angles. How Jesus described the, the call that's on your life. People have asked me kind of what's been our mode of our church lately. And with all my heart, I really think it's, it's what's coming up. It's Thanksgiving. And when we talk about thanksgiving, we think of giving. Thanksgiving. Giving thanks. And really that's all God has asked us to do for Him. God never asked me, Tim, I want you to heal people. Tim, I want you to get people saved. Tim, I want you to... No. He said, Tim, I want you to go into the world. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to go fishing. And the ones you, you catch, the ones that, that I bring in, baptize them. And then teach them all the things I've taught you. And I'm like, God, I can do that. I, I can do that. And what it does is, it makes it enjoyable. I enjoy fishing. I enjoy meeting people I've never met. I enjoy seeing what God might can do through my words, testimony, story. Now, I'm not responsible. I can't take credit for it. Because it's His gear and He's taught me how. And, but I'm so glad He lets me. 
For you in this room right now, this is the next step of following Jesus. Following Jesus is not just coming to church. It's giving thanks. And the greatest way that we give thanks to God is to be who He called us to be. The greatest way that we're, we're thankful, I used to tell my parents all the time, what can I do for you? What, what can I do for you? You know what my parents would always say? Nothing. Nothing. Just be you, Tim. Just be what we taught you to be. That's the greatest thanks. That's why my mom and dad can sit here and the greatest thanks you can give them is the fact that they're watching their son do what they taught them to do. Let me tell you what gets God excited. It's when he looks down and he says, look at old Tim over fishing. Boy, he's all up in them weeds. Woo, he's going to break off a few times there. But there's something in there if he'll keep throwing there's something in there I've been wanting him to get. There's somebody in your family. There's somebody you work with. There's somebody that you're that God's been trying to get to, and He uses you. You gotta you gotta study, as Paul said, to show yourself approved. You gotta do your best, and then you gotta go. Fishermen expect to catch fish. And fishermen are patient. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor, there's people I know that I need to step up. There's people that God's counting on me for. Then let this be this month of thanksgiving. Let it be a month. I'm going to give thanks to God by being what I'm supposed to I'm going to give thanks to God by doing what He's asked me to do. I'm not saying I'm good at it. You may not be no better at it than I am at fishing. You can still love to go. You can still love to share the stories that God's done for you. You can still go out every day and expect something good's fixing to happen. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's what I want to do, then, then do it. Well, these next couple of weeks, I'm going to hammer this because I want us to come into Thanksgiving. God, we're thankful. We're thankful. Father, this morning, for every person in this room. This series that we're doing. Last week we had over 20 people in two services that raised their hand to rededicate their life, to, to get saved. To, so that means, God, that you're calling them just like you called Peter and James and John and Andrew. You're calling them just like you called all the others. Come. Let me show you how to fish. Father, let us this month be thankful and let us show it let us show us show you our gratitude by the way we treat others speak to others and impact others let us be good fishermen in Jesus name amen and amen God bless you hope you catch a bunch of them next week <laughs>